Amen. Thank you, everybody. Is that cool? I think we just need to press forward with that, hey? Um, just some things that are happening. Uh, the youth, Revolution Youth are happening. Boy, they're happening. Yeah, so uh, I just want to, the youth, our youth leaders, incredible bunch of young people, great young people, and they're just, there's a whole another this outreach into our community through youth, and and uh, it's, it's filling up this place with young people on Friday nights. And, you know, God is touching lives. And that's exciting. Continue to believe and with them and stand with our youth. So uh, apparently this Friday night, they're having a what-if night. So what if you were come dressed as what-if something you can think of? Um, decent, decent. You know, someone wrote here, what if you're bald? Uh, ring who? Elwyn. Oh, it's... Oh, right. oh, oh, sorry, Elwin. Yes, <laughs> Andrew. <laughs> Not picking on you guys. <laughs> that was Malcolm started that. <laughs> anyway, so youth this Friday is that cool, youth? Uh, seven o'clock, grade seven to twelve, and uh, that's brilliant. Hey, yeah, uh, next uh, we'll get another subject. Next Sunday, uh, we're taking up what we call our first fruits offering. Uh, it's an offering where we just believe. Uh, scripturally, that God just says, bring all the first fruits into the house for God. And, and when we do that, uh, I know it's not the kind of the start of a season, but in, in Jewish times it was, and they'd bring the first fruit and they'd believe God for the rest of the provision for the next 12 months. And so I, I suppose that's just the, the, the thought behind that. You're welcome to, I'd love you to participate in that. I believe that God looks after us. He's our provider in many ways, and uh, you could be a part of that. Uh, That'll be next uh, Sunday, our First Fruits offering. Um, You might say, well, what is, how much is the First Fruits? It's really up to you, Uh, but I personally think it's just at least a wage of, you know, of of one week, at least, you know, Uh, but I I give that to you. Um, So that's happening. Uh, That'd be great. The other thing that's really exciting is um, we're having baptism in the month of uh, November, uh, so that's next month. Baptisms are happening. Several people are going through the waters of baptism. Um, baptism is that time in our lives or that moment where we say, you know, Jesus Christ is my personal Lord and Savior. And I'm putting Him first. I want to follow Him. I want to do His will. I want to uh, be a disciple of Jesus Christ and walk for Him the rest of my lives. It's like drawing a line in the sand and stepping over that line and, and saying, hey, you know, I, I, I'm going to be seen as a believer in Jesus, I'm going to live that way. Uh, so it's just not a, a thing that we do because it's trendy. Uh, it's just not a thing that we do because someone else is doing it. We do it because we just know where we want to stand in, with God. And so that's happening. And, and uh, I believe there's several young people. Is that true? Several young people. Is that right? Youth leaders? Uh, Joel, where is he? Yep. <laughs> he says, yep. He said, no. Oh. Well, I've heard. I've heard in the ground. Anyway, but, uh, and there's other people as well. So just, if you know that's for you, come and talk to us. Pa- talk to Pastor Mal. Talk to uh, some of the, our leadership, and they will talk to you about that. That'd be great. Is that cool? Okay. Uh, let's uh, let's uh, speak into something I think is really powerful this morning. They've gone. Great. Um, all the team. Uh, 
we're, we're just doing a series on the Ten Commandments. I hope it's been beneficial. I hope it's been something of life to you because, you know, you can take sometimes an Old Testament passage and it can p- be pretty dry, but you, I don't want it to be that. I want it to be life-giving that what we're talking about here uh, because I think ten, ten Commandments are incredibly foundational to everything that you do. I don't, we don't think about the Ten Commandments every day. We don't wake up going, oh, well, I'm not going to steal today. <laughs> of course we don't because... Why? Because within you is this um, this sense of, you know, stealing's not good. Where does that come from? Ten Commandments, initially. So we don't think about it every day, but I do think there's a lot of other things we we try and grasp with, you know, that we try and grapple with, and it's a foundational thought, the Ten Commandments. There was a a pastor who was um, walking down his street one day, as he did, uh, just for a bit of uh, exercise, and uh, he came across two of the young uh, young boys who lived in his street, uh, several n- block, you know, several houses down, and they were on the street and they're arguing in the head over a bird in a cage. And he pulled up and he's like, "Hey, hey, guys, hey, 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 settle down. What's happening here?" And the young men said, "Well, we caught this bird, and both of us want to keep it, so we've decided how can we work out who keeps it. So whoever tells the best lie will keep the bird." And in the past, they go, just wait a second, lying is not what you need to do. Look, you know that one of the Ten Commandments actually says that you should not not, uh, give a bad report or you should not um, lie against your neighbour. In actual fact, you should not lie against anybody or or even lie in itself. He says, look at me. He says, I've never lied. And then the... uh, And then the... The young men, their, their expression went from, you know, frustration with each other to disappointment. And they said, oh, pastor, you win. Here's the bird. <laughs> You're getting it? Okay, righto. Let's move on. Okay. Right, that's a bit of comic relief. Now we get serious. <laughs> uh, do you know the Ten Commandments really do just show us an ordered, uh, an ordered plan for an ordered society? And uh, and uh, not lying, of course, is about one is about your neighbour is one of the commandments that give our society such a good moral foundation to to do life well, as well as the other nine. And and we live in a world um, that's chaotic in regard to crime, violence, and moral values. Would you agree? It's just chaotic. Now, there's obviously big portions of the world that I think the rest of the world is held together by, that people who actually stand on some very good moral values and stand on good truths and principles that come from God's Word. I think, I think without us being getting too big-headed, I think the influence of Christianity and the principles of Christianity actually hold some of this world together. Because you've got, you know, people flooding out of Russia, people being killed in Ukraine and Russia. And, and so you've got all these Christians who have this incredible love for others who are just loving people and embracing people and winning people to Jesus right on that border. We just were at a state conference recently and there was two missionaries. I can't even tell you their names because, no one, you know, it's too dangerous to let you know. But it's incredible work what they're doing. As they, um, as they stood and told us about what God's doing there in that, those countries. So I'm just saying that to say I think the values that Christianity holds, holds the world together because the world has got qu- quite chaotic. 
turning, it's turning upside down. And God wants to turn it up the right way. Um, so uh, we enjoy the benefits. And in saying that, um, uh, talking about the Ten Commandments, we enjoy the benefits of another thing in the Bible called the fruit of the Spirit, which you know is love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, self-control, all those type of things, which are wonderful things. While we love those virtues in our life, we have to address the root if you want to have the fruit. You've got to address the root if you want to have the fruit of all that which we enjoy. Because sometimes regarding murder, violence and crime in our society, we think if we just address the, the fruit, in other words, you know, just say, well, you know, you just need more love and you wouldn't be so angry. Now, which is true, but the reality is there is a festering problem and it's, and it's called with the roots of a person's life if there's anger there. Would you agree? And so sometimes it's a bit like, placing a band-aid over a festering boil on your leg it looks good but the problem really isn't solved there's still a festering problem and so uh i i love the because we spoke about the fruit of the spirit several weeks ago in rega- regards to relationships and how we conduct that if you remember but the ten commandments speaks to us about often dealing with the root cause of the problem um and, and sometimes we see we need both we need the fruit of the Holy Spirit, but we need the root issues dealt with if we're going to ever see that fruit problems dealt with. And the Ten Commandments uh, for hundreds and hundreds of years have spoken to the roots of violence and crime and moral uh, deprivation and in our society. And we seem to, and you know what, I'm aware that we seem to be just, you know, for all the problems, we seem to create laws to try and fix the problems in our society, you know. Um, do you remember when prostitution was legalized in Queensland many years ago? And, um, and, uh, and then they found out, well, you know, uh, and they created prostitution because they, they, prostitution was just happening everywhere in every house. And so they wanted to put it in certain places. And so they created a law where it was legal. But, you know, that, wasn't, that was just putting a Band-Aid on a problem of, of wasn't it, another problem. So... Um, so we've got to just understand that we seem to have created laws to try and cover up the bad decisions we made yesterday. Because we've got lots of laws. We have criminal law, and we have commercial law, we have constitutional law, we have property law, we have international law even, but we don't seem to have a lot about personal law. And, we, and the Ten Commandments are the personal laws that God wants us to follow for an ordered and fulfilled life in a stable society. So... Let's look today at one of the commandments, just one. Is that cool? It's the fourth commandment, and if you recognize that, you'll recognize it as the Sabbath. Um, you know, the Lord talks about this Sabbath thing, which seems a big word, but we'll talk about it. Um, and, you know, I've got a sneaky suspicion today. If you just want some order and some rhythm in your life, uh, what I, I believe has to be said today about the Sabbath can create that. If you just think, I just need a little bit of, not so much, radic- some order, uh, the Sabbath certainly can do that. It can give something of that to your life. And so let me read it in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to 11. It says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Okay. Um, Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day, this is Exodus 20, but the, the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not work, do any work, neither you nor your sons or your daughters, nor your male or female servants. Talk about equal rights. Not your animals, 
even for animals, not only foreigners residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and that all is in them. But on the seventh, he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Okay, there we go. Uh, that's number four of the ten. Uh, please note, holy does not mean religious um, here, or it doesn't mean old. Okay, holy means dedicated or set apart. Okay, in whatever context you may use that word. And God is saying there needs to be one day that's different to the rest. There needs to be a, a time in your life, in, it, uh, you know, that needs to be set apart. It's just set apart, a day that's different. That you don't do the normal routine, okay, of what you do. Now, you might say to me, oh, well, pretty much my days are kind of all the same. Okay, but there's something, you know, there's something else that you may need to do in that seventh day that's different. So the fourth commandment has been referred sometimes as the forgotten commandment. Have you heard that? Because some people will say, you know, oh, well, you know, if people ask me about the sixth commandment, you shall not um, murder, or the eighth commandment, you shouldn't, shouldn't steal. Uh, of course, murder is horrendous, stealing is wrong. Um, but if we, if we say to them, oh, well, remember the Sabbath, some people will say, well, that's Old Testament. And that's just for the Jews, isn't it? Uh, no. Because we embrace sometimes the nine you know, adultery, stealing, and we get all that, but the Sabbath, what's that about? Truth is, if a Christian stole something from a shop, we would say, well, that's a breaking of God's principles, and you would be totally right, but if the same Christian worked on their days off by doing extra shifts, they never took a break, and then uh, and they never rested, and they just kept on doing the what was asked of them, and kept on going and kept on going and never working, we would, we would applaud that person possibly for their commitment and uphold them as a model of um, incredible dedication. Stick with me, because in our culture today, busyness has been reframed as something of a virtue. And when we ask the question, how are you going? The standard response is, oh, you know that. Do you know people ask me that question, and it is a terrible plight upon my nature, but I'm really tempted, I have to hold back, because I'll say, oh, just as a standard reply, because that's just a standard reply, I don't want to know what else to say, but I'll say, busy. So I stop myself now, and I hold out, and they say, you all right? Are you okay? Yeah, I say, yeah, I'm just thinking of the right thing to say. I don't want to just stay the standard thing, well, I'm busy. You know, there's power and death in the life of the tongue. Stop saying it. If you, um, th There's a gentleman called Stephen Covey wrote the books and he said this, people expect us to be busy and it has become a status symbol in our society. If we are busy, then we're important. And if we're not busy, we're almost embarrassed to admit it. So psychologists have defined and discovered or coined the term um, there's a hurry sickness. Have you ever heard of hurry sickness? Hurry sickness. And it identifies the following symptoms of hurried sickness. Irritability, where little things upset you. Maybe not with um, out in public, but irritable and maybe more likely to your own family members. Does that happen? Oh, no. Okay. Not with this group. Restless, oh, sorry, uh, restlessness. Even when you're supposed to be resting, you can't help but do something. 
And unfortunately, in this tech mod modern age, you know, you can even be resting, but you can be scrolling through your social media feeds or just looking up for uh, checking on your inbox for emails, and you're supposed to be resting. You know, I got a good, I got a good answer for that. Put your phone not beside your bed. Workholism, this is what the psychologists have work at, work, workholism, or non-stop activity that's being, that's being addicted to accomplishment, I think, sometimes. You know, so if, if I'm not accomplishing something, then I'm not being validated and I'm not feeling important. That comes from having your identity just in your work, which is, which is never going to support you for any great length of time. Because you, you get old and you've got to change work or you've got to retire, so, you know. Here's one, the loss of spiritual discipline. You know, when I get busy generally it can be sometimes for christians that the things that uh that we drop or the things we let go of or the first things to go are the bible reading or the spiritual discipline of just prayer or the spiritual discipline of just even attending church <laughs> Ooh. when we get busy it, it when we get busy it's not like netflix gets gets we you know it's not like netflix gets flicked now it's often the things, yeah, right. It's often the things. It's often the things that affect our soul that get flicked in our busyness. Unfortunately, it's the things. Okay, that it's the things. It's the things that feed our soul that are the first things that we drop away in our business, and and they're all symptoms of this thing. This, whatever you want to call it, but. Hurried sickness in our lives. So, so come on, what does the Sabbath mean today and could it really make a difference in our fast-paced life? I'm going to be quite practical with it here, and besides spiritual, but practical. Because the word Sabbath mean, simply means, to, as I said, to stop. If holy means, you know, to be set apart, Sabbath means to stop and to rest from our normal routine, okay? And I, I kind of mentioned that. But there was, that wasn't the case in ancient times, because you've got to understand the culture of that day. Uh, even Old Testament, and then in Jesus' day, the rich and wealthy people didn't work. Very, they worked very little, and the, the slaves, the servants, and the poor worked too much, continually. And so you know, this imbalance, there was both extremes. People who didn't need to work because they had wealth, people who, who had to work, but all the time, and never rested because they just couldn't, you know, there wasn't enough. They weren't getting enough in the way of income, maybe. So some of you are maybe, and you're hearing that, and maybe what I'm trying to say about busyness today is you come to church and now you're starting to feel, oh, great, preacher. Now you're making me feel guilty because I'm really tired and I work too much. Well, can I just, um, just draw that back a little bit? Please understand the Sabbath was never intended to be a weight upon your shoulders. It was never given as a weight to the, the Jewish um, nation of Israel to, to weigh them down. The Sabbath was God's provision and wisdom for people who were already weighed down with works and toils, okay? In actual fact, Jesus said something in Mark chapter 2, quite profound. This is the New Testament. He said in 2.27, he said, um, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Okay? So it, it's a gift for you and not another rule for you to come under. 
And, and I'll explain it because in, in Mark chapter 2, 23 through to um, uh, 26, verses 23 to 26, I haven't got it up there, I just want to explain that Jesus was walking through a field one day with his disciples in tow. And as he's walking, the disciples hadn't eaten possibly uh, all day or hadn't, you know, hadn't eaten for a little while. And so they started to pick the, the grains of um, the wheat and rub it in their hands and just munch on the wheat seeds. And, uh, the dis- and the Pharisees, the religious law- lawmakers of the day, who were really against Jesus, um, uh, saw this and they questioned Jesus and the disciples and, and they said, that's not proper. It's on the- you're working, when you pick the grain, it, the Sabbath day, it, you're working on the Sabbath by picking the grain. Stop it! And Jesus says, just wait a second. Didn't David, King David, when he was fleeing, well, he wasn't king at this stage, he was just a, a young man fleeing from his father-in-law, uh, because his father-in-law hated him and wanted him dead. That's a great family, isn't it? Um, I'm glad my father-in-law wasn't like that. But anyway, as David is fleeing, he had, hadn't eaten for uh, several days possibly, and he goes into the temple and he grabs the, the consecrated bread that was just meant, the bread that was meant for the, for the priests, and he grabs it and he starts to eat it and give it to his men. And he says, you know, didn't David do that? And so what Jesus is really saying here, Jesus is pointing out that just as the bread served the practical needs of David, the disciples picking the grain served their practical needs. And it was all done on the Sabbath. And, for, and as far as Jesus was concerned, there was nothing wrong with it. Because the Pharisees had made the Sabbath a burden, church. They placed ungodly restrictions upon people, God's people, which weren't included within God's laws. They weren't a part, part of God's laws. They'd made them up. And the Pharisees had, to, had turned the day into a man-made legalistic rules. They were a burden and not a blessing as God had intended. And you could do certain things, but you couldn't go all the way and do certain things. You know, it was just silly. It was just ridiculous. And Jesus um, says that the Sabbath was made for man. He was saying that the Sabbath was made to be a blessing to mankind, as were all of the Ten Commandments. And so Jesus is clarifying this. And, he, you know, he says the man was made first and then the Sabbath. Not the Sabbath was established and then man was made. No, no, man was made uh, uh, well before the Sabbath, was, the Ten Commandments were given. So Jesus is saying, you know, the Sabbath is made for man and not the other way around. And then in verse 28, Jesus says something else quite distinct, which is quite powerful in regards to this whole discussion we're having today. Um, I know it's, well, for me, it's a discussion. I can see some questions you've got. Um, Mark 2.28 says, therefore, Jesus says, therefore, the Son of Man is also the Lord of the Sabbath. Well, what's that about? What's Jesus saying? He's stating, well, what he's stating, that's why the Pharisees were so upset with Jesus. They thought he was just a man, but he was God as well as man. He was not just a man, he was God as well. So he was totally man, totally God. He was God on earth. And he was actually stating that of his godliness right here because he says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, who knows God makes the rules? Because God makes great rules and principles. <laughs> he makes great because he's always thinking about blessing and, and well-being for us when he makes them. He's always thinking about the best possible future that you could have. And we've talked about, you know, if you want to go back to some other thing, go back and look on the podcast last week and the week before. But um, the Sabbath... Um, he was the one who could determine what happens on the Sabbath. I'm the Lord of it. After all, Jesus is God. Um, so the Sabbath 
We've got to see that's what Jesus was saying. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. And I'm not changing the Sabbath in the New Testament from what it was initially established in the Old. It was always established for the people, the Jewish people, to have a day off. They came out of slavery. Folks worked seven days a week. And Jesus says, have a day off. Don't you think they thought, that's a good day. I'm going to have a day off. I don't have had days off for 400 years. I'm going to have a day off. And so today, Jesus is not, is not trying to... Uh, discredit or put down the sabbath or say it's not no 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 he's he's establishing the sabbath and say this is the this is the reason for the sabbath to be a blessing not to be caught up in some legalistic rituals of what i can't do and can do but just to 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 understand the sabbath is a day that just set it apart to rest and we'll talk a little more about that in a moment but i'm the lord of the sabbath so just trust me on this the pharisees didn't they they crucified him because of some of these things he did Praise God, that was a part of the plan anyway. But they thought they were doing the right thing, uh, putting Jesus on the cross. So the Sabbath is not a ritual that needs to be kept on a certain day. But it's for you and me to set a day and a time and set it apart from our normal work schedule. And often I think on that day, it's a great day just to, to actually give some extra attention to that, that uh, your spiritual disciplines of just spending time with God. It's a great opportunity. Uh, so uh, uh, it's good doing something different. Can we just uh, this morning in the moments we've got left just talk about some things to understand the Sabbath? Three keys to understanding the Sabbath. Here we go. Um, number one, God works, so we work. Exodus twenty verse eight says, "Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Six days you shall what labor and do all your work." This commandment is about rest, but can I also say the commandment is also about a strong endorsement to work? Okay. Okay, so hang in there. Have you ever got up on a Monday morning and said, I really don't want to go to work? <laughs> um, and, you know, sometimes um, it's because you know what in that day, there's some things that just, you know, you don't necessarily want to face and you've got to face them. Or it might be just you're really tired, okay? I'm just being honest with you. Please understand, work wasn't invented by the devil or some overbearing government. God first established work. God worked. God worked. In Genesis 3, we see God made clothes for Adam and Eve. Uh, Just to name a few, Psalm 104, God waters the earth. Psalm 145, God provides for all of his creation. Come on, when we see this, we see God wasn't above work. He didn't leave it up to the angels to work. No, no, he he was into it, okay? And when God placed Adam and Eve in the garden, they were placed there to work in the garden. Genesis 2.15 says that, work in the garden. So so I'm saying all that. Uh, We've been made in the image of God, and there's a part of us that, that wants to work, and be productive just as God is productive. And so it's an inherited goodness to, to want to work. It's okay to work, okay? I'm not trying to say that we just should not work. No, let's look what the verse really says, six days. In our case, we get five days. Wow, we're doing really good. We're getting two days off, usually. Depends on what shift you're on. Sometimes you get three on, three off. I know it's all different. That's why the Sabbath is not a certain day. It's a, it's a hard attitude in how you're going to take you know rest on one day at least so we have um notice it says six days you'll work but but this is important because it says six days it doesn't say um six days you'll go to a place where you get a salary 
because our work can also include working which doesn't have a salary attached to it. And all the mums in the church said, Amen. Because there's many mums who have worked for decades and never got a salary, but they've worked. And that's what God's talking about. In actual fact, there's many people, sometimes there's a lot of people who volunteer their services. And they just volunteer, volunteer, volunteer. And, and it's no pay packet attached to it, but they've worked. Sometimes there's an inability to work or a disability to work, and you can't work. I mean, you know, can I encourage you? Just you could, be in a, you could be maybe in some social environment where you can be helping, supporting others, or maybe verbally encouraging others. So there's a possibility to do something that is productive, that you feel you can contribute. Um, the truth is, if you can't, you can't get a job and you want to get a job, or um, maybe just start off, you know, uh, I, I just encourage you because I think part of God's image that He created in us is that we do be productive and contribute. And if you can't get a job, um, you know, um, please I pray something comes up for you. And if it's not a paid job, maybe there's some volunteer work that you can serve in. Um, because I think that's important. I think we all, you know, when you've done something and accomplished something, you know, if my wife makes me a meal, she's, I, I, she says to me, I love doing that because it, please, it does something because you enjoy something. And, and to her, it's an enjoyment. It, isn't it great to have a wife who actually loves cooking? I understand some of you gentlemen mightn't have that. That's okay. Um, love them for other reasons. But, you know, there's work involved. Um, so, so here's the point. Um, what was the point? <laughs> God works, so we what? We work. So there is a part we can play because God works. There's something healthy about serving in some way and contributing in the society which we live in. Second thing, God rests, we rest. God worked six days and rested for one. I love that. He worked six days. He rested so that we could rest and then work six days. <laughs> this shows us something, that God created the universe and people on an order and a rhythm. Did you know that? You know, the uh, seasons come and go. The earth circles the sun every 24 hours. Is that right? Yep. Uh, the moon circles the earth in a, in a similar fashion. There's a cycle. There's an order. Uh, our physical lives are nourished and maintained because of the seasons. Um, and, and, you know, winter, summer, spring, autumn. Not that they're that distinct in Gladstone, but we do get cold and hot, you know. So uh, your heart also has a rhythm and an order to it. It'll beat at a certain rate. Probably every one of you at the moment are beating, d depending on, you know, age, you're probably beating somewhere between 50 and about 70 beats per minute, your heart, because you're generally at rest at the moment. Mine's about 90 to 100, because I have a watch that tells me that, and I'm on the one up here walking around and preaching. But anyway, there's a rhythm to your heart, and it goes up and down, and that's the rhythm that is healthy. If you haven't got, if you've got an irregular rhythm in your heart, you've got to go and sort that out, haven't you? If it goes from 50 to 150 in five seconds, there's a problem. Mm. So we need rhythm. And we can't ignore the rhythm. We ignore it to our own peril. The Ten Commandments were created for our health in both body, mind, and soul. And they create, let me say this, they create a good order and rhythm for our lives. We honor God just when we work, but we also honor God when we rest. So there's the, there's the rhythm of working, resting. Working, we do that within every 24 hours. We do it within every seven days. 
There's things that we need to do. We, we need to resist that voice that says you are slack when you're resting. Okay? And you need to, you know. Mark 6, 36, uh, it says, For what will the profit of man if he gains the whole word, world, or a w- woman for that matter, and loses his own what? Soul. So what good is it to be seeking to win in life in five different business ventures and have an in, in, impoverished soul? I remember several of my friends over my time work, 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 and they came back to the reality and the fact that I need to just take the week, stop taking working on my weekends because my family needs me, just they need that time. And I think if there's one blight on our society, Australian men have grown up through the ages, um, and my dad was just, he worked two jobs. Um, it's not that he wasn't good to me, not that he didn't spend time, but there was some weekends I just never saw him because if he wasn't doing this, he was doing that. And I think that's just a plot because we just, I think it, it impoverishes not only our soul, but it can affect our family. And we just need to sometimes understand that. We need a better rhythm um, of life and not impoverish our soul. Um, what good is it to have your kids do five different sports? At the same time, I'm exaggerating for effect and miss church. <laughs> I'm not talking about those weekends where there's just a sp- one, those one or two sporting <laughs> things that are happening on a Sunday. It, don't get legalistic about it now on me. But I'm just talking about, you know, um, it won't fill their soul. It'll physically do something. But, you know... There's an opportunity to realize um, that whatever we trade in exchange for our soul is a poor uh, deal, okay? It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's not a good, it's not a good uh, uh, exchange thing happening right there. So, okay, you're a bit quiet. You're okay? God works, we work. God rests, we rest. Here's the last one. Um, God works, we rest. Hebrews 4, 8 to 12, let me read it for you. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath for the, re- for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will perish by following the examples of disobedience. Well, okay, a little bit of understanding and context to this. Notice how it mentions Joshua, who led the nation of Israel, millions of Jews, into the promised land. He didn't lead them out. Moses led them out of the slavery out of Egypt. Joshua led them in to the promised land. Um, So um, when they went to the promised land, they settled down. For once now, they planted crops, they built dwellings, and they lived. Because they'd been nomadic for um, how many years? 40, thank you. It just escaped me right there, that number. So so they, they now settled down and built dwellings, they grew their own crops. There was some rhythm. Not that there wasn't rhythm before, but there was a different type of rhythm, a healthy rhythm, rhythm, and they rested. They entered a place of rest. But the author of Hebrews here, who's the only New Testament book that we're not quite sure who was the author. Some say Paul. I'll just say whoever it was, doesn't matter. It was written. Hebrews is speaking of another rest while still referring to the Sabbath, okay? Because in verse 8, it mentions the God that spoke about another day, another rest that was not physical, physically refreshing but spiritually refreshing that we all need i believe that's the rest that it's referring to here because in verse 9 it speaks of a sabbath rest for those not just for the jewish nation but for all people okay 
You notice in verse 9, it just says this, Therefore remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Are you the people of God? Certainly today. All people. Um, so, uh, and all and those all who become believers in Jesus Christ and receive Him as their Lord and Savior. So the Sabbath points us to Jesus Christ because just like the Jews, there were the people who were disobedient to God's commands, didn't enter into the promised land of rest because thousands of them died in the desert because of their disobedience and they didn't come into that rest. And so there's a, uh, 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 in, in a similar way, Jesus Christ, it's pointing to Jesus Christ because he wants us to rest in him, rest in Christ. He says, come into me, you labor and heavy laden, I'll give you what? Rest. Um, take, take my yoke upon you, and for my yoke is easy and light, and it won't be a burden for your soul. So we, through disobedience to God, here's the point, through disobedience to God's principles, we don't enter into any rest for our soul because of, you know, disobedience, sin. Because disobedience or sin, let me just put it this way, it's work. It's work that we don't need to engage in. Because um, disobedience and, and sin actually creates heartache and bitterness and anxiety and anger and all that type of stuff. And it'll take a toll on our life as a whole. So Jesus says, come to me all the labor because I want to give you rest. Not just a physical, but also a spiritual, a soulish rest in Him, in Christ. See, Jesus was the, was the, um, he was the crescendo of this whole principle of the Sabbath because He was our Sabbath ultimately, as well as the practical areas of it described this morning or explained to you. Jesus is that ultimate rest for us coming to him and jesus worked okay jesus worked he dealt with sin in our lives he faced the beating from the soldiers before he went to the cross he faced the accusations from the pharisees he, he faced the denial from one of his own disciples he sweated as he carried the cross to the hill to the point where someone else had to carry it up to calvary for him he shed his blood on that cross. He died on that cross. And just before, in the climatic moment he died, he then said, it is finished. What's finished? His work for humanity. He entered into a great rest. <laughs> so that we could now have, we now come to God freely by believing Jesus and enter into his rest for us. Our response is to give up our disobedience, rest in his finished work, what he's done for us at Calvary. It's by grace that we are saved. Praise God for that. We don't, we're not saved by what we do, but we are saved as we would trust and believe by faith in Christ. The wonderful thing is, is as I come back to that, and as the musicians will come up, is that we do work in a sense, let's not muddle this all up, but we work physically, we rest physically, we serve God, we do His will, and he, he asks us to enter into a spiritual, there's a spiritual work, but there's a spiritual rest, and it's in Christ. So here's the conclusion. God works, we work. God rests, we rest. God worked so that we could then rest in Him, in Christ. So could we stand today? What Jesus has for us is incredible. You know, um, just entering into those spiritual disciplines of just 
sometimes re- on our day off, our literal day off where we do do something different. We, get, we stop the routine of work and we do something different. You know, we rest. You know, resting may be that you read a book. Resting may be you go with your family for a picnic. But, but can I say in that day, I just believe that, well, every day we need to have those simple spiritual disciplines of resting in Jesus Christ. And that just involves, it just involves just that, that actually talking to God. It just involves reading His words to us. It involves prayer. So it involves um, communicating with Him, just giving Him time. Because, and as we worship Him, I don't know, besides church, you can go home and just worship Him. It's an incredible rest sometimes. Just to sense His presence and Him flooding over our souls with His peace. That's a rest. That's worth it, isn't it? I can get a physical rest, but it's different to when God's presence touches my heart and life. It gives me such rest, peace, joy, all those wonderful fruit of the Spirit. But it all comes when we deal with the root, hey? When we deal with the root. So today, um, if you've never committed your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, then you don't understand what I was talking about when I talk about the rest that Jesus gives. Um, there's a little prayer that you could just, it's coming, the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can be saved. So a confession, what would that look like? Oh, just a prayer. Just some statements to God. That's from the heart, but not from the head. And it can go like this. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you sent Jesus. Jesus, that you died for me, that you took away my sin, that you worked so that I could have this peace and rest. And I receive you as my Lord. That means I'm going to live for you. And my Savior, that means you've saved me from hell. You've saved me from a really destructive life. And I thank you for that. And I receive that into my life. And I now ask you to help me to live for you because I need you in my life. And I acknowledge you. It's, that's the kind of confession you can make. And then it's got to be the belief in the heart. And, and so I invite you sometime, if you do that, come and talk to one of us that's really important and there's that rest in Jesus there's this other rest some of us really feel tired today physically emotionally just drained and I'm not even saying that it's your fault I'm just saying that things have weighed upon our hearts things just come and crowd our lives and we just feel oh, just you I just need you Lord I just need to pass over some of this stuff I don't need to be burdened by it I, you know, what Andrew was talking about earlier, you know, just some of the things that have happened in the week or whatever it's been. You know, I just, I just, we're just going to sing this song one, a couple of, several times. And I just want to invite you just to come and just stand at the altar and just, let's pray. His presence just wants to touch. I believe that He wants to touch lives. Some of us are facing some things that just is an uphill. It seems like it's been an uphill battle for quite a few weeks or even years. And just believe God, whether it's healing today or whether it's just His presence touching your heart. And into the midst of that anxiety brings His peace. Jesus can do that. So let's sing. And you come if you need to come. And uh, we'll just pray together, let His presence wash. And you might say, well, I can get that where I'm standing. Oh, that's cool. But the reality is sometimes I just think you just got to put some feet to your faith. <laughs> and sometimes step forward and say, Father, just more of you. We've got the time. It's okay. If you have to go, that's okay. Please feel free to go. Please don't. 
that's fine. We'll close the meeting in that aspect, but we just as we sing, you're welcome, and we're just going to pray. Come on, it's a beautiful song, this song. Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. 
Father, we, I just thank you for this day that you've given us. It's a day that you've made. So that means it's different to other days. It's a fresh day. It's a great day. And Lord, we just ask you to help us just to walk through it with wisdom, to make good decisions, uh, Lord, in all that we do. Help us to make God decisions. And help us to, uh, Father, to live, uh, Father, with you and not external to you or not separate from you. Because we know you are incredible help and hope. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a great day, church.